0: Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, you call us to this place you call us to this place during this hour to come and worship you, to hear your word read and proclaimed through Him, prayer, scripture, proclamation. And so, as we hear your words that you speak to us, transform our hearts so that we would leave this place not just as hearers of your word but as doers of your word. In your son's telling name we pray, amen. So one of the great things about Methodist ministers is that we like when we gather two or three of us in a room, we tell stories. We tell stories of our careers and sometimes the stories get into this game of you won't believe this. And then we try to one-up each other. So it's a fun game to play um, and I can remember we were doing this one time, and we were sitting around talking about staffing. And we were talking about the importance of hiring the right staff for the church and having the right people. And parenthetically, we've got the best staff ever here. But we were talking about that. And one of my friends, one of my colleagues goes, you won't believe what happened to me. And so we all sat on the edge of our seats, our ears listening. He said, we were starting to grow. And we realized we needed a full-time Christian educator We knew it was going to be a little bit of a stretch for us for the budget, and we knew that we could probably only get someone that was right out of graduate school. Someone that had all of the head knowledge, but very little of the praxis. But we thought, you know what, it's part of our role in the church maybe to glean some of their knowledge and help shape their ministry as they shape our faith formation. It's a great match made in heaven. We found the right candidate. She came on board. Life was going great. We were seeming to click on all cylinders. And then some things started to go off the rails. He said, well, first she showed up a couple of Sundays, like right in time for Sunday school. I don't mean like five minutes before, like Sunday school started at 10 and she is walking in the door with the children to set the classrooms up. That was a little annoying, but we thought, you know, maybe she's running late And then there was a Sunday that she just didn't show up at all. And when we quizzed her about it, she said, I forgot it was Sunday. Really? But anyway, then he said later on, she started coming in like she was running late. Coming in after Sunday school started. And one time she came in and she was so disheveled and so discombobulated, we were pretty sure she'd stayed up all night. And so I had to have that hard conversation with her. And for this hard for this colleague, a hard conversation with him starts off like this. We're going to have a conversation. It's not going to be any fun for me. It's not going to be any fun for you. But on the other side of this, we're going to be okay because God loves you. And I love you too. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what that feels like on the other end of that. But mm, when you start off, this is a conversation that's going to be hard. It never goes well for me. He said, so I had that conversation with her. And she started to get better. And I thought, okay, we've moved past this. And then she started to be late again. And I decided I was going to have to have the conversation with her. Now, those of you that have ever managed people, you know what that conversation is. That's the pack up conversation. And he was getting ready to have it with her, and she walked in his office. She says, I need to let you know something. This church thing is too tough. I didn't know I was going to have to work on Sundays. I quit really? Christian education and you didn't know you were going to have to work on Sunday. So of course, he said, I didn't have anything else to say. She packed her stuff up and left. So I picked up the phone and I called the dean of the school and I said, you need to make sure your students understand that the job requires Sunday work. I mean, right? I mean, okay. And I think about that story every time I look at this text that Jeff just read. I think about that from the standpoint of Jesus is starting his ministry and he's building out his team. He's finding the right people, the people he wants to help him change the world. And he picks the most unlikely cast of characters. I mean, he doesn't go to the temples. Instead, he goes to the docks. He gets people just like you and me, people that had really nothing to think about in terms of religious stuff, other than they were faithful and followed God. He went for people that were just everyday Janes and Joes. Everyday guys. So he goes along the docks and he reaches out to them and he says, his pitch is very simple. Come, follow me. Now the text records that that they got up, that the fishermen got up, they left their nets and they followed Jesus. And it sounds drastic and simple enough as it is, but when you look at the language, the language that they use for how they left is the same language that you use in the Greek for severing a relationship. So this sort of gives us the depth of what kind of a commitment the first disciples were making. I mean, in those days, you grew up in the family business. If your parents were fishermen, you were a fisherman. If you were a carpenter, you were a carpenter, a miller, a miller. That's just what we did as families. So imagine they're sitting there doing the family business. Jesus comes along and says, come follow me. And they stand up and say, we're going. Mom, dad, thanks for starting us out in life. Thanks for this great business, but we want nothing to do with it. We're going to completely change our lives in a whole different direction. What they're doing is altering who they are, the way they live, who they follow, and what they do. And see, Christ comes to you and me. Christ comes to us and says, follow me. And what Christ is doing is much in the same way of calling the first disciples. Christ is calling us to a better life, one that's better than anything we could ever imagine in the world for ourselves. Christ is calling us to a level of abundant living beyond our wildest expectations. Christ is calling us to our best life, a life of discipleship, a life of following, a life of yoking our lives to God's Word and God's love for the world. Christ is calling us, when He says, Come follow me, to leave our old selves behind and take on new clothes, a new mantle. A new mission in life. So as I think about that and I think about the dreams and the visions that I have for our church, my dream for us is that we would live fully into our discipleship, that we live fully into it, growing closer to God, giving all that we can and putting it all into answering our call and living our discipleship in such a way that all the world notices that there is something different about us and about how we approach the world. John Wesley, in his charge to Methodists, one of the things he said, the marks of faith is to stay close to God. He's talking about that in terms of that relationship. Sure, he's talking about prayer and maybe even fasting, but he's talking about understanding what it is that God says to us. He's talking about getting into the word. Now, we've got these Bibles in our homes, on our nightstands, and when we know how the story starts, And we know how it ends, but what happens in the middle, the words and the stories and the guidance in the middle is words that we need for our lives. It can shape how we approach the world around us each and every day. I mean, God speaks to us in all of life's circumstances. Just this week, I had... Lunch with a father of a teenager and we were talking about how, how to conquer the teenage years where you're butting heads with your teens. Now, sometimes the Bible is pretty clear on what you should do with that and sometimes it's a little murky. But what it's really talking about is in the idea of relationships where parents teach their children, they set the expectations, but they grow and mature together. Now, I can't tell you what section of the Bible points that out, but it's woven throughout the entirety of God's story of love. Or sitting with one of our church leaders and we're thinking about how to refocus and prioritize our ministries so that we are doing just what it is that God calls us to do in our church. Or turning to the word in a conversation with a civic leader and to help them figure out how to balance this idea of faith and policy making so that all the world benefits. See, the Bible is a source of wisdom and guidance, and it's a source that we need now more than ever. It's the perfect roadmap. I mean, we tell this to our third graders and our kindergartners and we give them Bibles that it's full of great stories, but it will be a guide for their lives. But if we want to get focused on growing closer to God, we've got to open up the book. We've got to delve in our discipleship. We've got to make it a priority in our lives, not just a ticket that we punched That we said, oh yeah, we go to church, or oh yeah, we did confirmation, or oh yeah, we did, uh, we did the Bible training with our third graders. But we've got to go into the word in depth. Not just for our children's sake, not just for our youth's sake, but for our own sakes as well. So one of the things that we've been talking about is this idea of faith formation Our Faith Formation Committee has got some great Sunday morning offerings, but there are new studies that are starting in the month of February. There are four new ones that you'll see detailed in the bulletin. If you want to go deeper in the Word, but you're not sure that you can make a year-long commitment because you hear Bible study and you think immediately, disciple, we've got some really solid short-term studies that will whet your appetite and help us find that guidance and wisdom that God lays out for us every day taught by people who some fashion themselves as experts, but for the most part, what their real qualifications are is they're just like you and me, wanting to go deeper in the word and hear what it is that God has for us. But that's not just for adults. We also have for our children and for our youth. And if this interests you, and I hope it does, I hope it challenges you to want to make that commitment, talk to Brett, talk to Kate, talk to Tammy. They would like to invest you and involve you and going deeper in God's word. Because when we do that, we find that it's life-changing, life-altering, and we clearly hear how God is calling us. The other part of that dream that I have for our discipleship and the way we practice it is that we sort of practice this idea of all in. See, the Christian life, the disciples' life, is a changed life, a life where we are focused on what it is and who it is that God calls us to be. Many of our churches, the 80-20 rule falls in place where 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. Well, imagine if we turned that on its air, on its ear. What if we turned it upside down where 100% of the people of our congregation were involved and took care of 100% of the work that each of us found our place in ministry, that one thing that we do that changes the world through the ministries of this church. What if we were committed enough that we wanted to say, When Jesus says, Follow me, that we say, Here I am, and that we go and that we don't look back. That we don't look back. The legend has it that as they explore the new world, the explorers, in some cases, when they landed on a new place, that they burned the ships so that people would be forced to live in this new reality, forced to explore a new case. Well, what if we decided, in a sense, to metaphorically burn the ships and we said, Lord, I will follow you, that we Got up and left it all behind. Our former selves and took on a new life. A life where we poured ourselves all into what we do. We thought about our giving, how we give of our time, our financial resources, our talents, our energies, and we said, Lord, I put them on the table. Use them as they will. Use me for the good of your kingdom. Or the idea that we serve, we look for places where we would have a deep impact, not only. On each other's lives, but on the lives of our community and the world around us. If we are so moved to do that, where we want to do more than just exist, more than just be on the rolls, where we want to pour ourselves and our discipleship in the life and ministry of this church, I can guarantee you we have got a place for you. There are enough seats at any table and in any ministry for you. For all of us. Send Jeremy an email. His engagement team has got some great opportunities and great need for us. And we would love to get you involved. Because the more of us that can stand up and say, here I am, the more ministry we're able to do. As I think about that, I think also about this crazy place I find myself in life. As I've gotten older, my kids have gotten older, some of my friends and mentors and ministry and classmates who are just a little older than I am, their children have gotten married. Their children are having children. So now when I go to meetings with Methodist ministers and whatnot or friends from college or high school, the game is now someone gets out their phone and they say, let me show you about my grandkids. This past week, I was with, I was with three or four colleagues I looked at three or four different videos of grandkids. Their kids are remarkable. They are no more remarkable than your kids either, let me just tell you. They're no more special than your grandkids. But here's the deal: their kid, their grandkids, your grandkids, your kids, their kids are all special because they bring so much joy to our lives, don't they? Well, see, that kind of joy just exudes and it falls So when someone pulls out of their phone and says, Let me show you about their grandkids, I have more fun. I watch the video, but I have more fun watching. The grandparent make sure that they can string through. Oh no, you got to see this one here! It's really exciting, and to watch them get giddy with the whole idea. Their lives have been transformed because they get to wear a new hat that says Papa or Grandpa or Grandma or Nana or whatever. Well, imagine if that same joy of your discipleship just exuded from your heart. When Christ came to you and said, come follow me. And you said, here I am. And you followed just like the fishermen and you left it behind. That it was such a joy that people want to know, what is it about you? You enjoy life so much. You seem to be such a good person. You have rearranged your priorities where church is important to you. Volunteering and serving and changing the world is such a part of who you are. Or when you're sitting in a meeting and you begin to think about how you make decisions and you use biblical principles and people start to figure out that you've got some other foundation than just logic, common sense. But there's something that's guiding who you are and the work that you do. People see the joy in your life and they want to know why. And you could almost say, let me tell you about my church. Let me tell you about my faith. Where they begin to re- realize that that's what it is without you even having to say those words, where we would bear witness to draw others to us and, to, uh, and others to this church and its ministries because our discipleship just permeates every bit of who we are, and it cannot be contained See, my friends, I think Jesus calls to you and to me. Jesus calls to us. And Jesus says, come follow me. Because Jesus is still building out the kingdom, still building out the king, his team, still building it out. And so my dream for our church, my dream is a dream that we take our disciples seriously enough, so seriously, that we want to grow close to God through intentional study and learning, where we're trying to find ways to go deeper in our faith together as a body, children, youth, and adults, side by side, learning and growing close to the Savior and his teachings. But then as we do that, that we go all in with our discipleship, that our discipleship is a priority in our lives where we go beyond study, but into practice, where we're looking at how we give and serve and live in God's kingdom, not only within the walls of the church, but out in the community around us. And finally, that our discipleship bears witness, bears witness to the change that has happened in our lives and to what Christ can do for the world if we would just answer the call and that we are God's instruments of peace, echoing that call to the world around us. My dream is that the world would know that the people of Centenary United Methodist Church, that we would follow where God calls us because the kingdom demands it, but because we have left our old lives behind and taken up the mantle of discipleship for the sake of each other, for the sake of the world, and that all the world knows it by the way we live. Amen and amen.